You are now tuned into yet another exciting adventure with us here on Discologist. I'm your host, Kevin, as usual, coming to you live-ish from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Happy to have you hanging out with us today. You know, as some of you who follow music news and whatnot know that there is a, a sort of a, a rise in this idea that, that jam bands are infecting indie rock. The jam is the way. Talking about bands like Dead & Company, bands like Fish, and, uh, you know, full disclosure, I like both those bands, uh, and in fact, uh, despite my best instincts, I'm going to see Fish here, uh, pretty soon, and then, uh, we're gonna be, we're gonna be doing an episode on them. Problematic relationship, put it mildly, but, but I have always contended that, uh, there is a better world outside these experiences, and those experiences are great, but that better world is jazz. If you're looking for mind expanding music, uh, things that will like sort of tickle your intellect and enrich your soul. Jazz is where it's at, man. And nobody is making better jazz in 2019 than the members of the West Coast down. Anytime they put out a project, we dive into it. Anytime you put out a project, it is guaranteed to be one of the best albums of the year. Ryan Porter's new album, Force for Good, is no exception. And uh, it is, it is a, a step up for this group, a step in the, into the future for them. And that's what we're going to be doing today. So, uh, what I want you to do is like put on your put on your uh, thinking cap, put on your jazz head, uh, get your uh, get ready to get enlightened. If you if you haven't checked out his music or Kamasi Washington or Miles Mosley or Cameron Graves, all these great artists, do that. Get do your homework, get prepped because you're about to have your mind blown. This is Heaven Only Knows uh, off of Ryan Porter's Force for Good. I've always tried to do the best I can with what I have, and even though I try, it's still so hard to see where life goes. single off of Ryan Porter's Force for Good, his third album, Heaven Only Knows. It's featuring Nia Andrews on the vocals right there. Now, uh, if you have listened to this podcast, you know that we are huge fans of anything in the Kimasi Washington universe. The West Coast Get Down being the main thing. 
Uh, Wes, you are also a huge fan of this here and of jazz. So I, I guess it's good, I guess it's good that, that we're we're doing this. Here we are. Uh, we you, we are the jazz crew for Discologist, I think. <laughs> um, you know, this is um the Optimist came out a couple of years ago and uh it it slayed. I mean the, the mm. album is fucking phenomenal. If you haven't heard it, like stop listening now, go back and listen to that. But that was a that was a sort of a picture of of the West Coast get down uh in a nascent form. Yeah. It was all all recorded at the shack, all recorded before the Pimp and Butterfly, all recorded before these people were jazz superstars. And we're talking about like Kamasi Washington, obviously, Brandon Coleman, uh Cameron Graves, can I get a witness? Cameron Graves. Oh my god, I love uh, Miles Mosley, Thundercat, Tony Austin. Austin. These these individuals make up as what to my mind is the best of American jazz right now at mm-hmm. this point in time. This, this, this is the crew. Um, and, and part of what made that album so magical was that you saw them developing. You saw them like work. It was, it was like sitting inside them workshopping and seeing them get to these points that they're at now. This is a very different endeavor. Uh, and it makes it clear that uh, one of the uh, the silent leaders of of this whole West Coast get down is Ryan. Um, he recorded this between uh, ten and three p.m. while they're essentially prepping for to pimp a butterfly. Right before pimp a butterfly, during pimp a but to pimp a butterfly, they had no idea what was going to happen. But but the drive was there, and you start to see all this personality come out in all these players, and so it's. For me, like it's nascent in a different way. Yeah, yeah. This is this is where whereas the other one was like you saw the influences. This one, you see the band. The optimist definitely like part of this is the fact that it was these already incredible players. Um, yeah, but they were definitely still kind of developing who they are, and so. In a lot of ways, The Optimist, like it kind of actually surprised me when I first heard it because I had heard um, The Epic, I had heard Harmony of Difference, I had heard um, Planetary Prince by Cameron Graves. Mm-hmm. Um, and that The Optimist is definitely more kind of classic, um, you know, almost like post-bop, like, you know, it, it, it's yeah. it's later. I mean, it's got the soul influences, it's got a lot of that, those 70s, um, you know, spiritual jazz influences and things like that. But it definitely sounds more like... You know, it, it would. There are a lot of parts of that record where, if you told me this was made in, you know, nineteen sixty nine or like in nineteen seventy four or something like that, where I would buy it. You know, um, yeah, knowing that, that it's not, that, you can hear a different production, and that's the power of it. Like, yeah. is it is it you? It immediately calls you back to these like old school like jazz crews. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and and, but this and, one, and established them as yeah. That. Oh yeah. Yep. Um, and, and you know, as I said, I mean, they could already play the hell out of their instruments, um, even as they're developing their own. Like, well, you know, what are we as a group versus yeah. just being a bunch of guys who can play the hell out of their instruments, you know? Um, and this one is is very contemporary. It's very now. It's, um, you know, it's a little different from some of the other West Coast Get Down stuff. Um, and yet, you know, I mean, you know when you put on one of their records that you're listening to West Coast Get Down, yeah. without yeah. a doubt. Um, yeah, they, they, they've got just a, um, an, they class up the joint, mm-hmm. right? And And they bring in, all these different flavors that you know as jazz and, and, and they, they, even on this one still, they make it palatable for the person who isn't necessarily the hardcore jazz head, mm-hmm. even though this is hardcore jazz easily. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Completely agree with that. I mean, and in some ways, honestly, um, force for good, you know, this, this one that we are here to talk about today is 
I think in some ways a little more accessible for some people. Um, you know, that's something we can maybe talk about as we hear a few more of these tracks. But, um, I mean, I will say that honestly, like my adoration of Kamasi's records, um, is a little unusual because I don't tend to be a huge sound person in a lot of yeah. different ways. You know, I like a small classical group instead of a huge orchestra. I like, um, you know, good quartet, quintet jazz uh, much more than i like any sort of a big band sound yeah. um the you know arrangements the compositions are so incredible on kamasi's stuff that um you know it absolutely works and and this one obviously like you know it's, it's a smaller sound than the epic it's smaller sound than um heaven and earth but it's still it's still a big sound packed into this record but you yeah and, and you take a song um like like matt like old school Hollywood. Like, and these are California dudes. These are LA dudes. These are, that's the sound of like Humphrey Bogart, like sauntering up to the bar. And, and I think when you, you, and this is one of the, one of several points of this album where they pull this trick, where they go out there uh, because that's what they're good at. And that's what jazz is supposed to do. But they pull you back in mm -hmm. by giving you something that is, even if you have never listened to a jazz record before, you've seen a film, you've seen a television, so you've seen something that sets this mood that is like for years was uh, moods were set just by like jazz music. So that that's a smoky bar. Mm -hmm. As a, you know, that, that's bourbon on the rocks sitting there. That, yeah, and it's and it's a cool jazz influence, which you don't really mm -hmm. get as much with their stuff. You know, I mean, you know, they have. Some of the criticisms of West Coast Get Down, which um, I consider to mostly be like valid points and comments, you know, if not necessarily like criticism, like I don't see them as bad mm -hmm. things. Like, you know, it, it's just the same thing that you hear a lot. Like, oh, it's not so new. They sound like these 70s, like, you know, like, like McCoy Tyner made records like that in the 70s. Like, yeah, cool. Like his records definitely sounded sort of like that. There is an influence there. Like, yeah, that's how music works. Like, you know, I don't see that as, as a weakness of their stuff. And yet this is a little more influenced by that cool jazz also, which you don't often hear with West Coast Get Down. Yeah. To the, I mean, to the point you were just making, like, I wonder if that's spillover from uh, like just everybody liking this now. Yeah. Like jazz operates in a different space than rock, folk, indie rock. Definitely indie rock, and and people like this is this is blogger jazz, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. For sure. I mean, if, if if you don't know shit about jazz, you know who Kamasi Washington is. Yeah, he's and still in stadiums, whereas most jazz players, <laughs> right? And, and he gets written up on Pitchfork and yeah. and like the the whole deal. And um, people, 
digest those other types of music very differently and forget to their detriment. And this is why there's we're in a lot of shit that we're in now in music to their detriment that it is supposed to entertain. In fact, mm-hmm. it has to entertain. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to either be entertained by the sounds coming out or by the, the concept that a band has put together. Like, and that only really works if you're seeing like improv free jazz live, mm-hmm. you see the communication and it's right. thrilling. Right. Yeah. And, and that doesn't necessarily convey on wax for sure. But uh, you know, so I wonder if like any criticism of that is this and, you know, people might say they're not far enough out there, but I, I would, I mean, there's no reason for them to be, man. They can pull it, they can pull it right back in. They do. I mean, they go from that to uh, an interlude to the heaven only knows, uh, which is, you know, a, a decently fussy, like jazz tune, I think, mm-hmm. and bring it back down with a Stevie Wonder tune. <laughs> Let's go with everybody. Recognizes that. Mm-hmm. Whether you're a Stevie Wonder fan, whether you're white, black, American, like whether it, it doesn't matter. You know that song. Well, you know what's funny is that I I know that song. I love that song. I love Stevie. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard it uh, the first time listening through the album, and I had just been mistakenly re- uh, misremembering the title of the song. Um, I was thinking that it was called um, "Where Did My Love Go" or, or "Where Did uh, You Know, oh, yeah, yeah, you know yeah, yeah. That, that line." Like that was just what I had my. And so as soon as that song came on, I was like, "Wait a minute! Like, is that like Stevie?" Like, and then I looked up the track list, which is you know the only thing I had at that point. And I was like, yep. "Wait a minute! Like, blame it on the song? No, okay, I guess that's not what I was thinking of." Um, and then it wasn't until later, like looking back, I'd be like, "Oh, wait a minute! Like, actually, I had Talking Book on," um, and I was like, "Yeah, that's definitely it." Because I like I had a moment where I was kind of like, "Man, like you gotta, you can't rip off Stevie." Like as you said, everybody <laughs> knows that song. Like right. if you're gonna try to lift something, guys, you can't lift it from Stevie Wonder in the 1970s. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think the mission of, of the West Coast Get Down is, is besides just playing good music to get this this different music into the hands of people. 
uh, it was that's why to pimp a butterfly worked because mm-hmm. all of a sudden people were listening to jazz, right? Hip hop laid on top of it. Uh, that's why the epic works. You know, people they they find these hooks into that, and and so it's not so much ripping off. It's also it's also keeping in theme with why he made this album. There's a quote uh, from him about uh, how John Coltrane influenced this. And he said, John felt like making a choice to be a force for good would not only help his life and make his music, uh, the film score for people who choose uh, to be a force for good, no matter what the conditions are. That's powerful. Yeah. Stevie wonder was that person. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Coltrane Um, obviously, but, but Stevie is that person, you know, Prince was kind of that person. There's yeah. There's a lot of that. Yeah, you make a conscious choice to like do something that that creates good energy. I mean, and he goes on to say like the Force for Good album is my contribution to the legacy of John Coltrane's message of peace, love, and unity through music. Uh, this idea that that can be like abstracted into like tonal <laughs> like fragments is is kind of insane, but also kind of uh, exactly what what it's all about. That uh, and look this to be clear, is like infused to the core of like Kamasi Washington's music. Mm-hmm. You know, he harmony of difference that there is, that's, that's a harmonic vibration. Yeah. You know, and it, it's something else. We've talked uh, before about the healing power of that album. I mean, I know, you know, <laughs> listeners for, for both Kevin and I, that yeah. album is um, harmony of difference by Kamasi Washington is one of the very short list of, of best things to have come out in, in the last while like there is just something pure and magical and positive about that album that you know the world needs and, and that's i think a lot of what this group of players and a lot of the other players right now you know a lot of the people in london a lot of people in chicago um who are making jazz so exciting again and part of it is just like plain and simple they you know I've, i think i've said this before on this show like they're doing what the early jazz players were doing of bringing sounds together in a new way again taking yeah. a whole bunch of different sounds and blending them in a new way um but they're also there is such a force of positivity behind this you know and at a time where we're facing such huge issues as human society at a time when you know so many people are struggling in so many places and you know right now we're talking about you know, British and American music, like two countries that are in some really challenging times. Um, And you've got these people who are bringing this joy and love um, out through the music. And, and again, like absolutely in the tradition of Coltrane and the tradition of, well, and, and Alice Coltrane also and Pharaoh Sanders and the other people who would come after that. But then Stevie, Marvin Gaye, like, you know, all these people who really were trying to bring love, um, through the music and and it's not that that is gone by any means but it has backed off a little bit from the popular music because there's i don't know there's been a lot of posturing or something and that's the biggest risk in music in 2019 is doing something with an actual message Mm -hmm. the the biggest risk is to stand up and stand for something because people so much want their music uh, even jazz Mm -hmm. to be this product instead of this living thing that you are forced to interact with you're forced to like accept like you gotta let it sit on the couch with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. It's got it's got to be in the room with you. Yeah, or else it's or else you're not doing it right. Yeah. And when you think about uh, music, and this is and, and, and I'm really starting to talk about like my struggle to get Daria into jazz. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, her her brain when she hears jazz, like a lot of people's, is beep bop, beep, beep, mm-hmm. beep bop, bop. Mm-hmm. And I'm and I've always like been like, well, you know what? 
next time Miles Mosley is in town, let's go talk to him about it. And you can tell him that. But here's the thing is like Miles would very graciously explain to her why, yes, it is that. Right. She's not wrong at all. But but there is also this spiritual truth yeah. uh, that's, that, that inhabits all music. I think. Uh, and and it, look, there's a lot of this on this album uh, about that. It's it's very um, as precise and as virtuosic as it is. It, it is also uh, kind of, to my mind, one note. Mm-hmm. If there if there's any ding on this, you know mm-hmm. there is. But they do peek towards the future. And, and remember, this was recorded years ago, mm-hmm. uh, and they're now all doing a tour with Herbie Hancock. Right. Uh, and they get to the song World on Wheels and holy shit <laughs> some bass um, <laughs> <laughs> playing right there and um, and then you know actually let me before we go back to talk about that particular piece uh you know as you said like i'm a big fan of this group of players you're a big fan of this group of players mm-hmm. and just one thing in case we haven't made this clear at this point these guys can play their instruments pretty good yeah i think we should just make that clear for the listeners in case you're new to this group for the first, you know listening for the first time these guys can play okay um and that Come right for there, the technical skill and stay <laughs> for the awesome exactly but that right there i mean it, it's it's hard because you get a lot of musicians there's something i talk about with my brother a lot we there are so many musicians who we both respect in terms of their level of talent and mm-hmm. we do not like what they play um part of it is just that it's too showy it's um you know I don't know. It, so, it, it, do you guys it, just talk about Frank Zappa all the time? Yeah, pretty much. That's about it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> um, we, un- unfortunately, yeah, because he was a Burlington music journalist, we talk about fish way more than we should because neither of us uh, like them. Dude. But it's, um, you know, I mean, that's an example. Like those are people who play their instruments well. 
And then do they, they do they don't do that? Do, they do they really? I don't know. I don't listen to them, but like, but this is a very, very different situation right here. These are people who play their instruments well, who have something creative to say. I do not know any other upright bass player um, who's doing anything like what Miles Mosley is doing. Um, there are other players who, you know, play through effects without a doubt. You know, there are other, especially electric players who play through effects. You know, that's a big thing in the kind of funk and, um, you know, in funk and R&B world. Um, but nobody else, um, and I honestly didn't have a full appreciation for that until seeing Kamasi and the group play. And when he takes his solos and he's like plugged through these effects and he's just like, he's nailed that sound so perfectly. He, he definitely has. And, and I think this whole group is sort of what we've been talking about is that they, they, uh, they understand the algorithm. You know, they they understand the vibration, uh, what what all this means. Yeah, right. And they've committed to it. Miles committed to it on bass. Mm-hmm. Cameron Graves committed to it on keyboard. Kamasi committed to it on horn. Like, and and artists through all genres, all scopes, like commit to it. And when they do, um, it the results are uh, beyond exciting. Mm-hmm. That they're, they're a peak into something else. Something, something about us that like no therapist is going to bring out. Yeah, <laughs> like you're not, you're not, you're not going to sit on the couch and like come to these realizations. Uh, honestly, I would say like no, like psychedelics are going to do that either. Mm-hmm. I think it's just at the base of all our humanity is this this vibrating thing, and it just uh, you know these cats are fucking onto it. And they say they're searching, and they are. I mean, because yeah. it's an internal, it's an internal search. But but for most people who didn't even think to look, like you can hear this and then be like, oh, mm-hmm. what's that over there? Yeah, and in a lot of ways, I think, I mean, without a doubt, you know, Coltrane in many ways, John Coltrane was was in many ways like the great musical searcher, mm-hmm. you know, mu- musically spiritual searcher, um, I'd say, and yet. Without a doubt. I mean, let's be honest. Most people that you talk to when they say that they enjoy John Coltrane, they're talking about my favorite things or like, you know, maybe even a love supreme, yeah. you know, but they are not talking about Ascension. They are not talking about, um, you know, some no. of those later records where he's really getting far out. And and I love those records, but I will also say that there is, you know, those are for a special time. Um, and what West Coast Get Down is doing, what Ryan Porter has done on this record, um, mm. is bring something that is much more accessible, um, but is definitely, without a doubt, exploring and searching and and you know reaching for that positivity, um, you know sharing that love. Um, these guys have really developed a blend with their technical abilities and um, you know the meaning behind it and and self expression. I mean, that's what jazz has been right from the start. Is an ability for a person to express themselves in ways that they might not be able to in other, you know, forms in society. These yeah. guys are choosing to, choosing to do that through positivity. I think two things. I think um, we think of jazz as uh, people just jamming, right? And jam bands are on the rise. We mm-hmm. just did a podcast about Rose uh, Rose City Band. It's a great, great album. But it's to me that's that's almost ambient music to me. Hmm. And this is, that's a different like vibration. Mm-hmm. You know I mean, that's a chill dude, bro. Bring the hacky sack type of thing. Um, and th- there is some crossover in in fans of both of these. But like, I wish more people tuned into this kind of stuff that Ryan Porter is doing because, 
look, these are all composed. You put charts, but said, hey, interpret this as you want. And yeah. the results aren't jamming in A for 20 minutes. And they, they are like complex on the spot in the brain, mathematical computations done and spit out onto an instrument, which is fucking remarkable. And to a level that you can only pull off when you know the other players really well. I mean, that's the that's thing that right. has to that, be kind of key. reminded every time you're talking about this group is that these guys have been playing together since they were kids. Um, yep. You know, and not necessarily not meaning like since they were kids in terms of that like seventeen year old garage band. Like these kids, these guys have been playing together since they were kids, um, and yeah. that really shows through because, I mean, honestly, like you, you think about some of this stuff, like you, you know, Beatles coming out of Hamburg, for example. Like at that point, they had played so much together that you know you hear these stories about like George Harrison didn't need to hear the whole song before guessing what the core change that John and Paul were going to have come up yeah. with you know because he just knew them he knew how they thought musically you wouldn't be able to pull this kind of stuff off you can take any group of great players um and put them together and you know the, the jazz players at this level will be able to make some amazing music but there's something that happens because these guys know each other so well um that you can't get away with if you're just saying like okay you know we're going to pull the best at each of this instrument together and put them in a room. Yeah. I mean, and this is Beatles level shit. This is mm. Rolling Rolling Stones level shit. This is like that that connection. I mean, look, that's the point what you what people are listening to music for, hopefully. Uh and and but but that connection is also part of the point. You can't do it without other people's support. Mm -hmm. You know, it's communication. Yeah. It's not if you if you're uh, I'm not going to pick on Joe Satriani, maybe I will. If you're Joe Satriani playing through an Evan Tide and going like that's fucking cool, awesome, I'm awesome at guitar, or even better, Steve Vai, like that that is a whole other talent, but that has nothing to do with our humanity. Yeah, no, exactly. Regardless of how like enlightened either of those cats think they are, and I should add they are they are shredders. Yeah, uh, of the highest degree, and they, and they deserve all the acclaim they have got. But oh, sure, it, it takes a remarkable level of skill, but they're not expressing something to the depth that this group of players. No, they're, they're just expressing like uh, I'm good at guitar. Look, I move my <laughs> fingers real quick. Yeah, yeah, right, and and, and look, there's obviously a place, time and a place for that. But this is sure. this is this is uh, food for the soul. This is like just flat out like. This group is as we move into uh, to bring up psychedelics again, because um, I think we're we might be on the verge of sort of a psychedelic revolution mm -hmm. again mm -hmm. here. Uh, Michael Pollan's book, yeah, uh, is phenomenal. It is, and and when you when I walk into a local record store and somebody is talking about it, there, an older person, mm -hmm. you know. There's this move, and these things need soundtracks. Yeah. And this is going to be the soundtrack. Yeah, and this it's fascinating time. because obviously these guys, like, I mean, you know, I have no idea what their thoughts about psychedelics are, but like they, you know, as I said, like they've been playing together since they were kids. They, they, you know, probably weren't sitting there in their garage, you know, 15 years ago in the shack saying like, hey, you know what? I bet there's about a you know, psychedelic revolution coming about, and maybe we should try to tap in on that. Like yeah. if we work now, you know, they have just managed to, I don't know, I mean, it's capturing the zeitgeist or whatever you want to call it, you know, but right now these guys are, are tapped into that thing and it is, it's changes in society in many ways. And, you know, the, the fear and, and beauty and excitement of change, um, you know, these guys managed to uh, to express it in such a genuine way. And the bad trip side of that is obviously the communist coming. 
Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's going to, uh, you have to keep in mind, it's going to turn out okay. But yeah. It's going to turn out the, okay. The, but no, <laughs> is it? No, they're all about the end of the world. We, we, they're we've all about the about end of the world, that. but it's going to be replaced by beauty. That's the oh, thing that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know and, and, and I do find it funny, like in that context of, of where all this music is heading and where all this, and, and I, I hate, you know what? I don't hate to be doing this, to be slamming on the jam band scene as we know mm-hmm. it in America and fish in particular. But, you know, the, it, that was an excuse for taking stuff like this and getting out there. Like you should personally, my personal belief is you should be able to get out there just by listening to this, mm-hmm. put this on and let yourself go. And you are good. And that doesn't fit. It just doesn't fit any single definition of psychedelia mm-hmm. but it, it is the the notion of psychedelia is getting out of your head and getting into the soul yeah. uh, and and so for years decades even we've just had this thing that's a big excuse to do that the dead were a reason to do that mm-hmm. these guys are a reason to do it mm-hmm. these you know a communist coming is a reason to do it like it, you know it, it just highlight this this ever like present non-ending search for truth i keep going back and forth thinking this is like a minor album versus like this huge fucking like bomb of an album a bomb in the best way and and i can't ever make up my mind i I mean i don't i i want this to impact like the culture yeah as it should yeah part of it i think for me because i've been thinking kind of the same thing and I don't know if it's just because the physical release isn't out yet and that they're kind of waiting for that. But like this hasn't been covered yet on Pitchfork. It hasn't been covered yet, Mm -hmm. even on like, you know, all about jazz or on, you know, any of those. Like it, it, And I don't know if that's just because they're kind of, you know, there's a backlog right now. There's a lot of great jazz coming out. So maybe it's just as simple as that or maybe they are waiting for the physical release and there we go. But but I hope that this does get some more talk because I'm afraid a little bit the hype around this group is so big that I'm afraid at some point, is it going to pop and people are just going to kind of say, Oh, it's just another West coast get down record. And like, you know, I I admit that there is a certain part of me as I listen to this album where even as I'm enjoying it, even as I'm feeling that, that, you know, deepness and connection of this work, um, there is a little bit of kind of like, okay, this is different from some of the other ones, but it's still very clearly a West coast get down. Like, is it time for them to start, their next chapter you know um oh, I, like I think that. i think this announces that yeah but I, uh, yeah exactly exactly and and, yeah. and, I, and I think look i know everybody's on this album and the west coast get down but like i think this is ryan just being like yo it is time to motherfucking go yes and he you know that's the other thing like i was actually just thinking a minute ago um that we haven't talked enough about him so far. You know, we've acknowledged no, no. Kamasi. We've talked about Cameron Graves. We've talked about Miles Mosley. Like, let's remember here, this is a Ryan Porter album. And this is a guy who's also, I mean, like right now we've got Theon Cross ripping up the tuba over in London with Sons of Kemet, his mm-hmm. project and all this. Like I was talking to this class that I just finished teaching and, and saying like, guys, you need to understand, like never in my lifetime has the tuba been a cool instrument. 
<laughs> and suddenly, <laughs> here we go. Like there has never been a single like day of my life up until twenty, like maybe I don't know, maybe eighteen. Like yeah. you know, maybe because like you know, Sons of Kemet and all is hitting the U.S. a little bit later than it is in England. But like there hasn't been a single day of my life at this period where anyone anywhere in the United States would say I'm a tuba <laughs> player, and somebody would be like, "Oh shit, that's cool," you know? Yeah, but that hasn't yeah. happened. Um, you know, and and the the trombone is honestly not far off from that. Um, no, no. Starters, like he can play the hell out of his trombone. Um, some of the little like fluttering um, aspects that he's bringing in on this stuff is incredible. And like, you know, Kamasi's yeah. comments about his being like one of his favorite people to play with because of the depth of his tone, you know? And it's like, this guy is really, he's got something to add to this beyond just here's another group of great players playing. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, that when I was talking about the second line stuff, that's sort of what I was talking about, mm-hmm. his playing. So because we associate a trombone sound like if you like New Orleans music and stuff and and the second line experience, if you will, uh, then what you're thinking of a lot of is trombone. Mm-hmm. You're getting that slide, yeah. uh, that that dirt, that grease into that sound. And and for me, what Porter is doing and has done his entire career is that he can hint at it. But he tells you that there's so much more to this instrument, mm-hmm. and it is just a it is just a matter of finding the thing that speaks to you, pick it up, make some noise, mm-hmm. and and in that sense, he's elevated the trombone for me um, to like it can be it, uh, it it can be anything he wants, like he can be doing Miles's bass lines on his trombone mm-hmm. for all the fuck I care, you know. He's but playing he, Stevie's vocal lines, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, and ripping. And, yeah, and 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 that that is what's um, what I think is the takeaway, the ultimate takeaway from from this album and all of his albums is what an immense talent Ryan Porter is, mm-hmm. and what and how much uh, the West Coast Kickdown depends on him. I mean, the other guys aren't doing this; they're they're part of it, right? But they aren't. But they aren't like, hey, man, get in the room, yeah, ten to three, yeah, we do it. And as I understand it, um, Ryan Porter also wrote a lot of the arrangements. Like, I mean, you know, you know yeah. as, as you said earlier, like, and and this is both this album and you know jazz in general. Like, it is based around you have this structure. We're going to play, you know, whether it's this chord change, you know, th- this beat, like whatever. You know, we, we have these things that we're working around, but then people are expressing themselves on top of that. Mm-hmm. But he's still within that like and i think a lot of people misunderstand that, that improvisation in jazz means that anyone's just playing whatever they want at any time and then <laughs> occasionally coming back and like oh now we're going to come back together and we're going to do that little do 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 thing that, that we're going to play together like yeah okay that's part of it but like you know this is something that is an incredible balance of composition arrangement uh freeform improvisation you know, it, it's and and that's when you need. You can't just have great players. You can't just have great players who know each other. You need great players who can also compose, who can also arrange, who also know each other. Like it's just everything coming together in this. Yeah, and who you need great players who are connected as humans. Mm-hmm. That's the key. Ryan Porter's Force for Good is available everywhere you can buy digital 
I can't get the physical copy. It's coming. It is coming. Can't wait to uh, on. Uh, this is this is a. Uh, hope you realize this is a great fucking album and part of your life. Thanks to Wes for hanging out with us. That is it for this episode. If you like what you heard, you know the deal. We're out there everywhere: Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Mixcloud, Stitcher, Spotify. We're out there on the socials at, at Chunky Glasses on Instagram, Facebook, and and Twitter. And then uh, at ChunkyGlasses.com. You see this? You see all our live stuff? Going to be putting all the episodes of Dead to Me, our sister podcast, up on there before we launch season two of that. So uh, lots of good stuff coming up. Coming up in the next week or so, uh, we're going to try to wrap up this season with a best of and a episode talking about the stuff that we might have missed. So it's going to be a two-part thing. and It's going to be a lot of fun, but uh, there's actually been a lot of great music so far in 2019 look forward to that we're going to be back in a few short days uh hang out be good to yourself be good to your people and uh, we will talk to you soon